0: Revolution Comes to the Podcast, in which we look at things that are in the appendix N of the role-playing game Revolution Comes to the Kingdom. And, oh, and by the way, you know, support it on Patreon, blah, blah, blah. Today I'd like to talk about the video game Far Cry 3, which is a first-person shooter about a tourist who becomes a murderer. Is that what it's about? Kind of. Okay, so. Uh why am I doing this episode now? Well, actually, Falco 3 is in the appendix N of RCTK, Revolution Comes to the Kingdom uh, because I did play it a fair bit um, you know, during the slightly before and during the writing of the game, the design of it uh, but I had not actually played it all the way through to the end but having now done that fairly recently I feel like it's a good time uh, to, to talk about it. So Far Cry 3 uh, is part of the Far Cry series as the name implies. It's released in 2012 and it's set on a fictional roughly Indonesian archipelago called the Rook Islands and um, it's... The main character is a kind of I think sort of a early 20s late teens American guy he's off with his f- uh, brother and friends uh, you know like a, doing the Southeast Asia backpacker trail kind of uh, kind of holiday um you know like, like uh what is it the beach by Alex Garland you know and they get kidnapped by pirates, and then the whole, what well, the initial storyline is that he's escaped and he's going around uh, trying to rescue his friends. Uh, and as he does so, he becomes increasingly desensitized to violence. He also uh, hooks up with uh, the Rakia, which is slightly on the nose name for the local uh, people stroke resistance movement against the people that control the islands. Which is, uh, I think the line, the distinction between the two is uh, a little bit blurry. And then those people that control the islands are, I think, what I want to talk about um, in the context of of gaming, which is sort of two allied factions, so the pirates and the mercenaries. Um, Before we do that, I I do want to briefly mention the ending of Far Cry 3, which I don't know, I think well, when I wanted to go to spoiler territory I think it's still a game that if you like that kind of thing, it's, pro- it's worth playing probably but that's the way it specifically ends, um, for me I think it it does veer strongly into the territory of stereotyping um, kind of colonial era narratives about subaltern ethnicities it also is quite stereotypical it's sort of like the the femme fatale role in the least the the least uh, charitable respectful way uh, to women you know I mean there are there are film noir femme fatale that you can look at and go, you know, uh, you know it's they, they can be like kind of respected by the narrative, so to speak. Uh, that is not the case, I think, in Far Cry 3, and it's a shame because I can sort of see how they got to making that decision near the end. It's like it's a oh, let's have a bit of a twist, but not make it too surprising. It has been building up to this kind of development through throughout the storyline. And it's a thing that I don't know. In some, if it weren't for this particular combination of the fact that uh, your main character is a white American guy who has literally dropped onto the island a few days ago, and then he's dealing with uh, a female-led group of uh, indigenous people uh, to the island, who, by the way, are currently colonized and have previously been. Colours by different uh, like Japan and others Yeah, it, it doesn't really sit right and um, yeah it's a bit of a bit of a letdown um, it's also a bit difficult playing Far Cry 3 after Far Cry 4 because um, I think I think uh, number four was criticized when it came out for being a bit of a retread and I think that might be the case but of course when you do it backwards it sort of it's like the time I read Supercan by J. G. Ballard. And then read Cocaine Nights, and they're, sort of, they're basically the same novel, but Supercan is his second go at it several so years later. Um, and that sort of happened here. But never mind. All right. Let's talk about, I think, the useful thing, which is the pirates and the mercenaries. So the, the dynamic is that there are these two roughly allied groups who've, who've taken over through violence the day to day life of the island. The first group that you meet are the pirates, and they're, I mean, cool pirates, there's not I like think. we don't get to see them doing much piracy, but I think, yeah, they do capture a, a cruise ship or something in the co-op game that I haven't played. And they're you know, smugglers, and, and they're kind of a ragged bunch with AK-47s, and they're very much the kind of um, Horn of Africa, uh, kind of, yeah, pirates, in a way. That's sort of that vibe. And they're led by a charismatic character called Voss, who kind of probably, uh, they should have found a way to keep him in the game a bit longer because he's more interesting than the other main bad guy, but never mind. And yeah, so they are a sort of yeah, more ragged, less controlled, um, but in many ways equally dangerous. Um, then the other group, they're referred to as the Mercenaries, but they are um, the essentially a company or they're a bit like you know Wagner group guys so they're all uniforms better equipment more discipline although again because you know they're sort of hired mercenaries from wherever you hire mercenaries from they're not that disciplined but they are altogether a kind of a slicker outfit and they're overseen by an africana guy who um just is not as charismatic as uh, as the other <laughs> the other villain and uh so, it's, um, it's interesting, the relationship between the two is that the pirates are roughly subordinate to the mercenaries, like the, the mercenaries have a sort of organised uh, business going on, I've forgotten what it's involving now, I assume it's drug smuggling and weapons and stuff, I can't remember now, and the pirates are kind of around and they're allowed to take what they want from the island in exchange for sort of being a defensive buffer. Um, but you, um, I think you could also, and I think that's a good, a good thing, sorry, it's a good thing to have in game because it means you've got this sort of allied force that still has like distinct segments and um, they're kind of quite, the, the character of them is, is different. Like one of the issues, especially in a, a modern era game like Revolution Comes to the Kingdom, is that if you're up against the royal army all the time, they kind of might, they could end up seeming like the same guys, same uniforms same gear, they sort of respond in the same way. By having these two mini factions, you're giving away to have a different aesthetic and a different approach for each one. Um, so they are so there's that they're sort of distinct but allied. But it also does mean that there's an opportunity to drive a wedge between them and maybe prize one part away from the other or we'll turn them against each other, get recruit one half of that force to your side. That would be interesting. And um, also, you know, it's um, possible they could be on the PC side as well. So maybe you're in the yellow sashes and you need to, oh, are or or we working for the crown? Either side of that might go and, you know, uh, recruit the help of a gang of mountain bandits who are, you know, they're pretty competent, but can you really rely on them when you need to? Hard to say, but they have expertise that you don't. So... That's uh, well. It's a bit of a trope of guerrilla warfare literature, and also it's, it's a fun situation to deal with. And um, actually, in Far Cry 3, yeah, the pirates, that you know, the the ragtag militia, are subordinate to the more organised ones. But you could also reverse that, and that's an interesting dynamic as well. That's that's something a bit more like um, uh, well, if if you look at like the Siege of Jadaville uh, film, or, you know, in the, so in the Congo Crisis, the, wait, the oh, I've, I forgot what happened in the Congo Crisis now, but basically the, uh, the army or the Armed Forces militia of the breakaway state are not that well, there's a lot of them, but they're not that well equipped or organized, and then they've got in these foreign mercenaries who are there and slightly have their own agenda as well which is related to corporate in, interests in, in mineral extraction. And um, yeah, so that would actually, you can imagine there a scenario where maybe you've got a mining conglomerate that's come in and they've allied with, uh, again, assuming you're playing the rebels, so they've allied with the crown. But if you as the LS Ashes, can convince them that you'll provide a more secure environment uh, for them to keep bringing out the, I don't know, the cobalt or whatever it is they're getting out of, uh, out of the mountains, maybe you could prize them away to your side. Uh, and even if not that, when it comes to deciding which you know depot you're going to raid, uh, do you go for, you know, do you want to go and steal the uh, slightly chunky AK-47 collection from the uh, you know from the militia, which will be less well guarded, but the rewards are not as good, or do you want to go and try and break into the mercenaries' camp because they've got lots of really good gear, but they've probably protected it a bit better? Um, yeah, I think that's sort of giving the players yeah less of a less of a blank well, defensive wall to assault, but maybe just like two two different uh, two different defensive walls, but separated slightly uh, that overlap. I don't know. I, this this metaphor has got away from me. Um, yeah, I think that's actually a pretty Valuable. You'll find yourself doing it quite naturally, I think, in RCTK because in your head you would often have images of the irregular guerrillas versus the regular army, kind of that dynamic that you often see in movies, and uh, yeah, I think if you embrace that you, you get quite a good, you get some quite good scenes, and especially when, if they are on the player character's side, When the when the PCs are sort of in one group and they brush up against the the quite different cultural behaviour of the other group, Uh, you know, fish out of water comedy ensues, and then you know, like they they get involved in a firefight together, and one saves the other's life, and they they become brothers in arms, and valuable lessons are learned. Uh, It's all a it's all a great time. Okay, thanks for listening. Um, If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode of Revolution Comes to the Podcast, do feel free to get in touch. uh, I guess on, I don't know, like, just look for, I don't, wherever you found this, just send a message. And um, yeah, this uh, this podcast and a lot of the gaming stuff I produce is supported by generous patrons on Patreon. And you could be one of them if you wanted, so go look for patreon.com slash porcupinepublishing. Mandatory plug, done. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's about it, so take care of yourself. Be careful if you ally with any savage pirates, because, like I say, you can't always rely on them to back you up when you really need it. And until next time, goodbye.